Hour is the best podcast in the world. Yeah. Amateur Hour is the best podcast in the world. Come on. This is a show about the Chiefs, the football team that plays in Kansas City. Friendship and fun and stats that you won't believe. AHPKC will begin shortly. Hey, hey. Hey, Dirk. Are you ready? Let's do this thing. Come on, let's go. Let's go. It's football time. Yeah, that's right, folks. Welcome into Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall, and the man on the other line, the handsome man, you know him as his darkness. What's up? Hey, how do you know I'm handsome? You can't see me. Well, I mean, I've I've seen you so many times now. I know what you look uh, like. Oh, yeah. I know what you look like. Yeah, I look about the same. You look, look about the same? I'm having a good day, good looking day. Looking like a Wednesday? In yeah. Dirk's life. Yeah, Wednesdays aren't bad. That's good. That's good. Um, so, Dirk, I guess over the last, basically since our last show. What's happened? Um, it's been, Has anything happened? Been a little bit of a roller coaster uh, for Amateur Hour. Um, <clears throat> I mean, generally speaking, I don't, I don't think that like anything bad has happened. That's not how I would categorize it, but, um, you know, strikes and gutters as the dude would say, um, you wanted to, uh, talk about this GoFundMe thing that Danny had suggested. And ultimately we embraced and just been a lot going on there. So I'm going to, I'm going to the microphone is yours, man. All right, yeah, I wanted to address this. Uh, it was something we had to deal with. It was kind of silly. Uh, didn't think it would turn into what it did, uh, but it did. And here we are, and uh, we've kind of been waffling back and forth, as uh, two amateurs might. Um, but a quick rundown for anybody who doesn't know. At the very end of last podcast, we talked with Danny Parkins. I joked with him about going to the Chiefs-Rams game in Mexico City, and he made a suggestion, whether it was serious or joking, uh, maybe he probably was serious. You should start a GoFundMe and and get you, I mean, get the fans to pay for you guys to go. Okay, yada, yada, laughs were had and yada, yada. So uh, we eventually did put up the GoFundMe. Um, I, I felt a little weird from it from the start. I, we're kind of coming from it from two different places, you and I. Uh, and I don't think we necessarily see eye to eye on everything with this. Uh, and we're just being an open book here. I mean, we kind of, we've been debating with each other about what to do here. Uh, but two things happen. I mean, we got a lot of donations from people uh, and we got a, some negative reaction out there. Uh, some, some harsh words for us, uh, both of which made me, um, fairly uncomfortable. Um, I don't, I don't like asking people for money and stuff. Like I don't even like asking my boss for money. Uh, that's, that's hard for me. Um, and then seeing people say things like that, it's, it, it, it got to me, I will admit it. Um, and I, I'm not proud of that. Uh, but I just don't like when things get serious like that. Uh, I just want to, you know, laugh and have a good time and fart and watch the chiefs and get high 
and stuff like that. So, so when I saw the same negative things about us, I got to it, it got to me, and I just wanted it to go away. And so I made the call to shut it down. Um, after that happened, and we made our thoughts known on Twitter, um, there was an outpouring of support for us, um, which you know made me question things even more. Like uh, it's it everything has gotten to me a little bit, uh, but. I wasn't proud of letting the people saying the things about us uh, lead to that decision to take it down. Uh, I wasn't proud of myself for that. Uh, I wasn't proud of myself because uh, shutting it down kind of took the possibility of you um, having the chance to go to the game, which is, I'm sure, is something that you would really like to do. And so in shutting that down, it took the possibility totally away from you while still leaving it open for me. And I think I fucked up there. Um, so I say all that to catch people up. And and here's what we're going to do. Uh, we've, we've talked about this. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move away from the GoFundMe. Okay? Um, I, I, I didn't really like the look of it. Uh, I thought it was weird asking for a specific amount of money and, and all this stuff. So we're going to go off the GoFundMe. We're going to contact those people and, and figure stuff out with them. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to open up the AHPKC donation box uh, through PayPal. Uh, it's a very simple address. It is paypal.me slash AHPKC. Uh, so anybody who wants to uh, contribute to us going to Mexico City contribute to the podcast. Uh, we will encourage you to make your donations there. Um, any amount will be appreciated. Um, and also anybody who donates over $20, uh, we will be sending you an amateur hour shirt, um, courtesy of Big League Shirts, who is uh, helping us out uh, here with, with our goal of trying to go to Mexico City. Uh, so shout out to them. Uh, if you ever need uh, softball uniforms or anything, big league shirts, that's your place to go. Um, but we will be putting these donations towards the trip. Um, and and basically what it came down to for me, um, you know, we, we weren't leading anybody on. We weren't, we weren't telling anybody, you know, something false here. Uh, we were just telling them straight up what we wanted to do. We want this money. We want to use it to go to Mexico City. We're going to go record a couple podcasts, and we're going to go to the game down there and have a great time and try to represent the Chiefs. Um, and and the outpouring of support from people, the people who, um, you know, had donated to the GoFundMe and then reaching out like, "Hey, we don't want our money back." Had a couple people do that, like how, and, and then another couple people like, "Hey, how can we donate money then? If you're going to shut down the GoFundMe, how can we give money?" So this is what we're going to do. The donation box via PayPal, uh, the website paypal.me slash AHPKC. Uh, if you want to donate it all, send it there. We appreciate all the kind words, um, the, the people with mean things to say. I mean, I kind of get it, uh, but in the same breath, you know, go eat a dick. Um, and that's all I have to say. I, I, I'm done worrying about it. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to promote this much because I feel weird about it. Um, but hopefully we get enough money to at least cover Ryan's, uh, you know, trip here so we can make this happen. And that is it. That's all I got. Give me your thoughts, Ryan. 
Um, I mean, f- for me, like, I think from the beginning, to me, um, I mean, going to Mexico City wasn't something that I had ever really even considered. It was just like, I can't afford to do this, and that's that. Um, and when Danny suggested, well, why don't you just, you know, crowdsource this thing? Um, I mean, to me, like I'm essentially crowdsourcing my education at this point. So, you know, what's crowdsourcing going to a chiefs game when we talk about the chiefs? Um, I, I think that like, the, the one thing that I didn't really get to when I talked about it a little bit on Twitter and just kind of aired where I was at, um, well, there's two things. Um, and I, I want to make this quick. So number one, um, dude, the, the people that donated, and honestly, like, it doesn't matter if you're donating $5 or you're donating, you know, $50. Like, seeing people take their money and and want to contribute to us and it doesn't matter if it's to go to mexico city or if it's just to say thank you essentially for what we've done um i i don't even know how to put into words like how that makes me feel because uh, i i think the kind of the second point is is looped into this like the people that had negative things to say um they have no idea how much time and how much effort we've put into trying to monetize this thing that we do. Um, and like to just, to just have people basically say like, we, we support, uh, you know, what you guys are doing and we really appreciate, um, the time and the effort that you put in, um, the outpouring of support, especially, basically like since you had sent that tweet saying that we were going to take the fun down. Um, I mean, I'm the emotional one of the two of us, but like, it was really moving for me, honestly. Um, I saw some negativity on Friday when people started realizing that it was happening and I haven't seen any since then. It was like a couple hours of crap. And I got stuck in this circle of looking at all of these bad tweets. And some of them were like directly attacking me, which was really frustrating and really hurtful. But I mean, it's been like just completely blown out of the water in comparison to the amount of support and the the nice things that people have said. So um, I, I just I'm just thankful man, honestly, like it's been a really weird experience, obviously. And I think that you and I have have been going back and forth and it's never been contentious between you and I on this. It's just been like trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. And ultimately I just, I, I'm really touched, honestly, like that's just where I'm at. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, really thankful um, to, to see people stepping up and, I mean, they're essentially, I don't know. I want to say that they're doing it unprompted and maybe people don't view it that way because we put it up as a fund, but um, I don't know, especially seeing people like get defensive and being like, don't give me my money back. I don't want it. I made this choice Um, really validating, I guess, for, for what we've done over the past, you know, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We're just trying to do the right thing. Uh, uh, I don't think we handled it well. 
but you know what what else could you expect from uh, the two of us? Uh, so we're just kind of kind of put this to bed. Uh, you know, donate if you want. Uh, you can look at it like you want to get a shirt from Amateur Hour, uh, which we were happy to give out. We we love handing those out, and we got a, a good supplier for making those now. Um, so we just want to put this issue to bed, uh, and we just want to fucking talk Chiefs from now on. Like that's that's all I want to do. Uh, and you know, sorry for all this being shitty. And let's let's talk Chiefs. You ready to talk Chiefs? I'm definitely ready to talk Chiefs. Okay, cool. Let's talk Chiefs. So, um, so Patty Mahomes had his worst game of his career on Sunday. What's up with that? It was so terrible to watch, too. What's up with that? What a letdown I don't, to be inside Arrowhead and experience the worst game of his career, <laughs> his first game at Arrowhead. So let, do, do us a favor, <laughs> For those of us, including myself, who were not at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday – um, I think the number one thing I want to know about is what the atmosphere was like both leading up to the game and then obviously inside the stadium because, dude, they were showing stuff on TV like the last 30 minutes or so of pregame. And, like, I'm I'm sitting there watching it on television getting goosebumps. Like, I mean, I was I was lit up, ready to go. <laughs> Run through a wall from the couch. Um, yeah, so the first thing on that, um, I've never seen Arrowhead so full at kickoff before. Really? Uh, everybody was in their seats. And it's funny because the last game played at Arrowhead, the last real game, was the Titans playoff game. And all that week, the Chiefs were freaking out about that opening shot where they kind of pan over the entire stadium and Chiefs, Chiefs fans are kind of known as late arrivers, I guess. Uh, get, get the tailgate in like as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go from that, and that's a playoff game. And they had to stress it all week. We had Andy Reid saying things like, hey, we got something special playing before kickoff, so make sure you're in your seats before kickoff. And there wasn't any of that this week it was just like hey we're going to introduce Patrick Mahomes so uh you know be there if you want and 79,000 people decided that was enough we have to be in our seats by kickoff and it was probably the earliest I've ever gotten in a game we were in there I think it was like 27 minutes left before kickoff you know when we were at our seats Mm. and that's I mean I'm used to uh you know me I'm used to sprinting to my seat as the national anthem is playing. And, and that's how I experienced the beginning of the game. So that was, that was the first thing I noticed was just the start of the game and the stark contrast between a, you know, season opener week three game versus an actual playoff game. And I think that just kind of shows where people are uh, with the team right now. Like it's, it's the excitement is just off the charts right now for obvious reasons. Well, yeah, cause they're the best offense in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's what it is. That's why. And I'm going to continue to say that until there's any reason to believe otherwise. But as of right now, I'm more than comfortable in telling people that we are the best offense in the NFL. Um, I I wanted to I wanted to talk about real quick um, in looking at the offense. They come out and and it's electric. 
Their first five drives, 11 plays, 57 yards, touchdown. Eight plays, 84 yards, touchdown. Five plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Eight plays, 72 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 68 yards, touchdown. Only one of those drives in there was sort of a typical Pat Mahomes Chiefs drive in the five-play variety. Um, They were kind of chewing up a little bit more clock. Um, and, And to me... I guess I just – I sent out this tweet at halftime that was like, good grief, they're going to have to put Chris Jones at quarterback in order to slow us down, and then we go out and only kick a field goal in the second half. Um, but when you're inside the stadium, I mean, I saw some of your tweets, and and you were on WhatsApp with the Santos family and I, and you were just like, I don't, what, do you, what do you even say? Like – these games are going to be over most of the time. I mean, when the Chiefs are outscoring opponents, whatever it is, like 49 to 6 in the first quarter through three games, um, you basically said, like, the Chiefs' offense is a buzzsaw, and the mo- half of these games are going to be over at halftime. And ultimately, when the game was over, like, I was so frustrated during the second half. Like, offense, are you going to participate? Are we going to score again? And like as soon as the game was over, I was like, "Well, that was that was an Andy Reid game." Yeah, second half was typical Andy Reid shutdown mode. We haven't really seen it uh, with the Mahomes offense yet, and I was kind of wondering if we would, or if he would just uh, kind of keep his gas or foot on the gas uh, more with the uh, all the weapons we got now. Um, but yeah, I mean, before the game, you know, when you're drinking in the parking lot, you either or at least I either get you know, start to get really nervous about the game or start to get really, really confident about the game. And and walking into that stadium, I just, I I thought the 49ers had zero chance. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess I was confident all week, so it wasn't just like a parking lot thing to me uh, this week. But man, I, it, I just started partying because like this game isn't even going to be close. It's not really going to hold my interest in terms of a competitive ball game. And it was kind of funny going back and reading my tweets, uh, just how overconfident and pompous I was about the game because I just I just didn't even take it seriously from the kickoff. It was just like this game we're, we're just going to mow them down. Um, and you know, Patty had the uh, the scramble at one point, and then the party was just on from that point. The second half got close. I never really felt nervous at all. Uh, I felt like if we had to turn it back on, we could. Um, and I just, it, I mean, I was nice and hammered at that point, but I, I never really thought we were getting anywhere close to a competitive ball game. Um, I was, I was listening to post game on one of the stations. I can't remember which, and this guy calling from the car on the way home from the game, um, good and lubricated before he gets on the air. And he starts talking about Patty Mahomes, and he's like, there's no dish he can't serve. And I was just, like, overtaken. That was just, like, maybe my favorite moment of the day was hearing this drunk guy refer to, I guess we've always called Andy Reid the head chef, but talking about Patty Mahomes, there's no dish he can't serve. I loved it. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, and also, I mean, you talked about the length of those drives. I mean, I, I was, I was, I was joking about Mahomes having the worst game of his career. I mean, it was. Uh, he still played good, 
But in the first half, I mean, he was missing some throws. I mean, he missed Watkins out there. Yeah. Uh, I remember one play he had Kelsey, and this is in the rewatch that I saw this, uh, but he had Kelsey wide open to the sideline, and he kind of looks at him and doesn't throw to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were he talking missed- about he had Kelsey on his fantasy team. <laughs> he, was like, he didn't he didn't want to didn't want to pump up the stats even further. Um, he missed obviously Demarcus Robinson later in the game was was wide open. Uh, he had Tyreek roasting uh, Richard Sherman, which would have been a beautiful first touchdown at Arrowhead. Although I guess the one Patty turned in wasn't wasn't too bad either. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he, I don't know if he was too excited or or what, but I mean, he did miss some throws. And so, what I really think Sunday was was a was a Chiefs weapons, Chiefs offense kind of game. Uh, I mean, we saw uh, some one handed catches out there. Uh, Kelsey's was nice, and Damian Williams even had a nice one. Uh, we had Spencer Ware rumbling down on a screen pass on third and sixteen, and he picked that up. Um, we had Sammy Watkins breaking tackles, and really. I mean, even with those missed throws, Mahomes' numbers looked, uh, you know, completely dominant. So, you know, if he hits those throws, he would have exploded for 450 and four touchdowns kind of thing. And really, I just I, – it was a testament. I'm, I'm not going to be this guy that's uh, – I know, Danny, and we were gone here last week kind of debating Chiefs' offense and weapons versus Mahomes. I have no interest in that because they're both mine. They're – <laughs> They're both mine. So I don't care who gets the credit because it's all mine. It's all the Chiefs. And I love Andy. So, I mean, if you want to give Andy the credit, that is A-OK with me. And also, I need to give a shout-out to the offensive line, uh, something I wanted to last week and I don't think we really did but because they, they turned in a dominant effort against Pittsburgh. And, you know, they were pretty good against San Francisco too. And we even saw them on a couple uh, first and goals or whatever down and goal from the one yard line and and Kareem Hunt just walked into the end zone. And you know, that's the kind of play that we've been wanting to see from the Chiefs offense. Like, hey, we shouldn't have to run these gadgets from the one yard line. We should just be able to plow this in. And we saw exactly that. And San Francisco's defensive line has insane amounts of talent. So it's no slouch. They have I mean, three guys that were all taken in like the top twelve picks. I think all three of their defensive linemen starters are top ten picks. When you have it's it's Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, like all three of the they're they're incredibly talented. Now San Francisco doesn't have like the edge rush, and I mean it's debatable whether Pittsburgh does or not. Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt are I think you know they're talented players that were taken in the first round, but um, to me, I didn't think we we're going to get to the offensive line this quick, but. Um, Dude, we have to talk about Cam Irving. Um, I think since the inception of Amateur Hour, and really since as like as long as I've known you, one of the things that you have complained about on our offensive line is that even when like you look at when Trent took that cheap shot against Cincinnati that basically like ended his career, um, not having guys on this offensive line that will go and stand up, not just, I mean, whether it's for their quarterback or their running back or whatever, this isn't about picking guys up off of the ground. This is about sticking your nose in there when something happens that you don't approve of and going in and and making a statement, getting in somebody's face, actually showing some attitude and some fire and backing your team up. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I've seen someone 
show that kind of fortitude the way that Cam Irving came uh, to, to, I think it was Mahomes' defense, I don't think I've seen someone do that since like maybe Kyle Turley. And and I'm only thinking Kyle Turley because he was doing it for other teams. I don't even have specific memories of him doing it in a Chiefs uniform. And like Cam Irving can start on this team for the next 25 years after just seeing that one play as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I, I did hear though, <laughs> before you chime in, Nick, I did hear. Um, so uh, Seth was down there with a press pass from the athletic and he's, he got to talk to Mitch Morse. And for those of you that don't listen to Seth or read Seth that often, like his affinity for miss Mitch Morse is on par with mine and Marcus Peters. Like he just absolutely loves everything about Mitch Morse. And he got to interview him in the locker room after the game. And there's like nobody there. So you can call it an exclusive interview or whatever. And he's like, Mitch Morse went on and on about Cam Irving, the way that he plays, the kind of attitude that he brings, how fast he's learning and picking things up and and helping both Fisher and Morse with combo blocks. I mean, you look at when when they extended Cam Irving a few weeks ago and like earlier that week, they had Andrew Wiley as the starting guard and then they gave Cam Irving this extension and we're all like, what the hell is going on? And now I'm looking at the fact that Cam Irving is on like a three or four year contract worth nothing, essentially, in the grand scheme of starting offensive linemen. It's it's really low. And I'm thrilled. I'm I'm really excited. Who would have thought after trading for Cam Irving and Reggie Ragland in the same offseason that we would be this much happier with Cam Irving than Reggie Ragland at this point, especially after last season? I didn't even think Cam Irving was going to have the opportunity to be a starting player. Um, And and, I mean, he like, that's, that's, that's my OG. That is my OG Cam Irving. I love you. Damn. You, you, I mean, you're taking it from me. I I got in my notes here, Cam Irving, my, my new guy. Um, (laughs) And, and really, I mean, the hit looks bad, but when you see the replay, it's, I mean, it's really not that bad. And Mahomes kind of, kind of sells it for the call and it works perfectly. But I mean, that shouldn't matter to Cam Irving. And he, he was just immediately right on Reuben Foster. Uh, I love seeing it. I, I want to say Ja Reed did it a few times. Yeah, and so we right. kind of uh, right. we kind of liked Ja Reed in, in that role. But, man, it's it would be very nice to finally have that left guard position uh, solidified after, I mean, the entire time under Andy Reed, just, it's just been a revolving door. Uh, both in terms of personnel and in terms of defenders running past the left guard. Mm. Um, it's So it, it would be so nice to have that solidified. And he has looked great. He's looked great, which is which is just awesome. We've, we really have like kind of flown through left guard. Shout out to Ben Grubbs. Huh? How about that? <laughs> Jeff, the know. big Lincoln Boxky. <laughs> there you go. Um, so... Did you, I guess because you were in the stadium, you didn't, I don't know if you saw it after the fact. Did you see Therese's tweet about that play? No. The Reuben Foster play and then Cam Irving retaliating. Therese said, well, that kind of play from Foster is what you resort to when you simply can't stop the guy on the other side of the field. It's like, that's just a play out of frustration. There's nothing else you can do. So you, you take a late lick on a guy that's burning your ass. It was, I mean, to be honest, like it's it's kind of that like old school master blasters Therese Paler sort of take. 
Um, but that was Master Blasters. <laughs> uh, if you haven't been listening to his his podcast with Charles Robinson, Master Blasters is a VHS tape from like. 60s, 70s, 80s football that Therese had as a kid, and it's like the big hit highlight tape, and he still has a copy of it. <laughs> Master Blasters. Um, I one thing that I've noticed now two weeks in a row because we kind of we kind of freaked out week one, but now two weeks in a row, Patrick Mahomes has been able to do this this free play. He's give, been given the free play. We thought that maybe there was a rule change that we didn't know about or it was being enforced in some strange way that we just weren't understanding. Um, but now, two weeks in a row, Patrick Mahomes drawing guys off sides and being given the free play to do what he wants. Um, m- multiple times. I mean, I think I think that he was basically getting a 49ers defender to jump offside like every drive at one point is how it felt like. Um he did throw that pick that didn't matter on a free play. I think he also picked up a first down on a 10 or 15-yard toss on a free play. Um, but the way that the offense is is working right now, to me, every play is a free play if you really think about it. <laughs> I mean, awesome. he just gets to do what he wants. It's been yeah. it's been really interesting to watch his command and his control of the offense. You mentioned that you know he looked I don't it's not off. He didn't look off on Sunday, but like I I like that you say that it wasn't really like a Patrick Mahomes game, right? Like Sunday wasn't so much about Pat despite like that one the play that will be forever burned into my memory. One of the most special things I've ever seen someone do on a football field, let alone at Arrowhead stadium. And yet like it really, it it, Sunday was about Patrick Mahomes in so many ways, but the performance on the field wasn't particularly about him. The, the one thing that I feel like I've seen so far, because I mean, don't get me wrong. Like we're, we're going to have plenty of, of fun talking about all the good, the one question that I've had so far about Patrick Mahomes um, is is in two games in a row now, early in either the first half or the second half, within like the first five minutes of the first or third quarter, Mahomes is walking away from the line and burn, burning a timeout. Um, now, we're talking about the first three games of the season. Um, if he's still doing that in weeks 14, 15, 16, then it might be like legitimate cause for concern. But whether it's a a real thing or just an imagined thing when it comes to Andy Reid's time management, if you've got Mahomes burning timeouts and that compounded with potential problems that Andy Reid might have in crunch time when it comes to time management, that's one thing I'm just going to keep an eye on. Uh, I mean, I I didn't even notice that we called timeouts. Uh, But no, I I mean, it doesn't, (laughs) doesn't worry me really at all. I mean, Andy Reid's clock management is is grossly overblown at this point. It's more of a uh, uh, just uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? It's uh, nah, whatever. It's it's something said about him, but it's not really true. It's kind of like his uh, his reputation, but I don't think it's it's necessarily fitting at least anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, sticking with Mahomes. I mean, it's crazy that uh, it, it was a little bit of an off game, and yet we still saw the the scramble touchdown. We still saw him. Fumble a snap, uh, and, and and San Francisco. This is another play that they're offsides on. He drew him offsides, I think, three or four times 
and and had free plays. So that was, I mean, that's just going to be a weapon. We're going to see that result in multiple 40-yard touchdowns this season. Um, But then on one, he has the wherewithal to like, you know, he fumbles the snap and then he still picks it up and still finds Travis Kelsey downfield for 25 yards. And it's just like, dude, this uh, this kid's uh, ability to improvise and just his instincts, like they continue to amaze me every single week. Um, and then another thing in noticing in the rewatch was was something you kind of just mentioned, but his command of the offense is just, it's incredible right now. And that's something that I thought he would be a little bit behind on at this point. And that was something that I was like, we might see a dip from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes this year is just, you know, Alex Smith's been in this offense for five years and Patrick Mahomes is starting in, you know, the second game of his career coming into the season. So I thought, you know, the command, the ability to, you know, adjust at the line might be an issue. And he looks like he is just in total control out there. Uh, just, you know, not even thinking about it. It's all just coming second nature to him. And it's, it's just uh, incredible to watch. Just, just incredible. I think that one of the things that I, I really noticed on Sunday, um, and some of this is just like being defensive. Um, not that I really need to be defensive about my quarterback because everyone seems to love Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I feel like even, even, like biased observers. I mean, it's it's amazing to hear Bill Simmons talk about Patrick Mahomes the way that he does. I mean, uh, I but but I look at it and Jimmy Garoppolo was kind of like the league's darling at at the end of last season. Um going undefeated, uh they they won their last whatever four or five games and um Garoppolo's numbers weren't great. I mean, if you actually looked at it, I think he only had like seven touchdowns and five picks, but they won. And people were talking about seeing signs of Garoppolo maybe being the next great quarterback and the Patriots looking so stupid for trading him. Well, when I watched Mahomes and Jimmy G on Sunday, the difference in number one, like the velocity of their throws um, I mean, people use this this phrase arm talent. Um, and I don't really know like totally what that means if they're just talking about throwing hard or if it's the combination of being able to throw hard and with accuracy or what, but the seeing Mahomes make a throw on like a 10 yard out toward the sideline versus Jimmy G make that same throw, it looks very different. And ultimately, to me, and don't get me wrong, like Jimmy G kind of started leading them back before uh, his knee buckled, and then he got plowed over by Steven Nelson. Um, But the confidence difference between Mahomes, and some of it, I will say, is probably having a guy like Andy Reid and having the weapons that he does that instills some of that confidence. But these guys look like they were in completely different planets as far as readiness and ability like Jimmy G did not look like he was anywhere near the kind of talent or like tier of quarterbacking play that Mahomes was and you know I I listened to to Seth with Josh Briscoe yesterday and he was talking about you know Mahomes has outplayed 
each of the three quarterbacks that he's faced so far this year, and it's Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, and sort of a, a darling of the league, one of the young up-and-coming talents. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, like the difference that you saw between Mahomes and Rivers and Mahomes and Roethlisberger, um, it's, it's, it was very, very different because I'm looking at those guys as being you know 10 years older than him, if not more than that. But he and Jimmy G, I'm like, okay, these guys are kind of on the same plane and kind of on the same plan too. Um, but man, like there's there's a huge gap, I think, in talent and ability between those two guys. And this is where I'm really excited to ultimately see Mahomes get to play against guys, you know, like Deshaun Watson and like Baker Mayfield and like Mitch Trubisky, you know, these young talents that he's going to be compared to in his career instead of just like the old guys that are kind of on their way out the door. Yeah, and, and something weird that I've kind of thought about uh, is I I want Deshaun Watson to be good. Like, and I want Baker Mayfield to be good because I want Mahomes to have like rivalries like that. Like I think I think a Mahomes uh, Deshaun Watson rivalry over the next 10 to 15 years would just be excellent. Being given, you know, me wanting Deshaun Watson on draft night and most people thinking we were going Deshaun Watson when we moved up. Uh, I think it would just be a great storyline to follow if if those two are just great quarterbacks. And also, I mean, if you throw Baker Mayfield in there, uh, throw the John Dorsey connection, uh, I mean, the Chiefs-Browns, you know, you could be looking at a potential rivalry down the road. Uh, I mean, the AFC is going to be wide open once the uh, Steelers and Patriots exit, something we've been looking forward to for years now, and we're inching ever closer to that. So I, I would like to see these quarterbacks step up and, you know, make this a true rivalry. It's something, that, something weird I've thought about that, that I'd like to see. I, I think specifically with Watson, too, um, I think that we both looked at it. You, you definitely wanted Watson, like, of the two. And so I think that, like, there was probably this tinge of disappointment, but, like, still, who cares? Like, we drafted one of them. It doesn't matter in that moment. But I think that we were both looking at it saying, okay, the Chiefs trade up. They give up a bunch of picks to get Mahomes. And then the Texans did the exact same thing the next pick. There wasn't a pick between Mahomes and Watson. They were picked back-to-back. And so it was like, you know – Bill O'Brien and, and the Texans reacted to the Chiefs trading up to take Mahomes and said, well, we have to get someone too. And especially like Mahomes sitting last year and Watson having 19 touchdowns in six games and, you know, essentially kind of being on an MVP pace comparable to what Mahomes is doing right now in a different way, mind you. But I like I want that rivalry bad. It looks like it's it's set up for it because of how they were drafted and and all the different storylines that you mentioned. And I think it would be a shame if Deshaun Watson, either his body succumbs to injuries or, you know, poor coaching from Bill O'Brien or what, like I want that guy to be given every advantage, not necessarily over Mahomes, but every advantage over, um, you know, the, some of the things that I think have been shortcomings for him so far, because it's exciting to me to think about that. When you look at, like what we've been able to watch between Manning and Brady, like I would love to have Pat Mahomes have a guy that he's going to face off with in the AFC championship, you know, four times in his career. I want to see it. And I don't know if it's going to be Watson. I don't know if it's going to be Mayfield. I don't know if it's going to be Mahomes, but it sure looks like it because he's fantastic. I love my quarterback. Yeah. 
But so, one other thing I was kind of uh, debating, and, and this goes to uh, Therese's article that I think came out last week, and it kind of talked about, uh, you know, kind of it kind of indicated Brett Veach was kind of the architect behind, uh, you know, Mahomes coming to Kansas City. I'm curious who you give the most credit for Mahomes in Kansas City, and and, and I mean that between Andy Reid, Brett Veach, and John Dorsey. I think there's an argument for each of them because it looks like Veach did a lot of the legwork. Um, I I don't think anything happens without Andy Reid signing off on it, and he's also the one that's kind of building uh, the team around him and building Mahomes into into the quarterback that he wants. But and and people don't want to give John Dorsey credit for this or for anything, mm. but. That was ultimately John Dorsey's call. It had to be John Dorsey that signed off on it and said, this is what we're going to do. Unless unless this was the power struggle that kind of led to it and Andy just kind of overpowers uh, John Dorsey in this, for instance, and that's what led to the rift and led to Dorsey getting fired. Unless something crazy like that happened, I mean, this was John Dorsey's department and he's the one that ultimately signed off on it. So I'm, I'm curious where you're at in terms of like who gets the credit for Mahomes being in Kansas City. Do you do you mind telling me who you think before I say? Uh, I would say Andy Reid, because um, I mean for the reasons I mentioned, but I think I think his success will be tied to Andy Reid uh, as as well as the pick. Like I think mm-hmm. he would have been in on the pick, and he's the one building him into uh, this all world quarterback. So I I give Andy Reid credit. 1A. Um, it's it's hard to separate Andy from the situation because especially seeing how it played out after the fact with Dorsey being let go and Veach being elevated. And, um, you know, we've all known from the very beginning when Andy got hired that they were basically saying, like, Andy doesn't necessarily have autonomy, but, like, these guys, I want my coach and my general manager to, you know, report to – to Clark Hunt separately. He he went out and gave you that clarification after the Peoli Haley stuff. Um, with Andy, it's just like, I think everybody's pretty clear in many ways that Andy's running the show and he's going to give his okay here or there on, on different things. But like for the most part, Andy, it seems like Andy in a lot of ways is the bottom line decision maker. In terms of who I want to give the most credit to, um, or who I who I think deserves the most credit for Mahomes ultimately landing in Kansas City. This is going to be really unorthodox. Um, it's actually not one of the possibilities that you gave me, but I'm I want to give it to to Lee Steinberg and the guy Chris Cabot that Therese was writing about because in so many instances, especially when you're trying to position a quarterback in the draft. And as you mentioned last week, when we were talking with Danny, Mahomes started out as basically like a second round or third round prospect um, in a lot of people's eyes. And so that's why we initially were looking at him because it looked like he might be available at the end of the first round. Well, to have an agent and and his right-hand man be so pragmatic about looking at the different situations, looking at who the coach is, looking at the fit with the organization and wanting to get him to Kansas city. It sounds like that was their decision. Like if we can handpick a situation for Patrick Mahomes, it's Kansas city and it's Andy Reed. And those guys 
from what it was the way that it was you know interpreted through Teresa's article they kept their mouth shut they didn't try to you know put one team against another they didn't try to leak things out into the media to boost Patrick's profile they did everything they could in order to keep the whole situation quiet that the Chiefs were on Patrick Mahomes from the beginning and that they loved him that much and because of that, that ultimately led to Patrick Mahomes getting basically the Chiefs having the opportunity to draft him. And I mean, don't get me wrong, you have to end up handing out credit to the Chiefs for, you know, who was making the phone calls and who ended up, you know, saying, okay, this is the package of picks that we're willing to give up and all the preparation that Andy Reid did, you know, in, in the meetings. They said that he and Mahomes were behind closed doors for six hours and give the thumbs up in the hallway and all the different stuff. Like, yeah, that plays into it. But I think that agents, especially when it comes to the draft, will sabotage anything and any relationship because they're always going to put their client first. And to me, it seems like they, in this situation, did everything they could to put their client first because they saw Kansas City as the perfect destination. Yeah, that was that was the best detail from the story. Good call on that. Uh, just just for the agent to have the foresight on that and to keep quiet because they want that to happen. I mean, it made me think of like how often that happens uh, in the draft like that. Because I've I've never really thought about it from like that point of view. But it's it is really interesting for like an agent to want the guy to go to the to the right situation. And it makes all the sense in the world. Um, one more thing from the game before we switch over, or from the offense, I guess, before we switch over to the uh, defensive side here. Uh, something I really noticed in the rewatch that I thought was interesting. Those calls that were getting made, I've seen those calls get made before. They get made for the Tom Brady's of the world. They get made for the Peyton Manning's of the world. Folks, we had, we had some defensive PIs and some defensive holdings that went our way they were they were unbelievable. Like they, I don't know, it was nothing, and it was so just like, well, go against the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, we've seen this for 10, 15 years, and you know, it, it makes it a little bit harder trying to take down Tom Brady and Peyton Manning when when the refs are kind of on their side. Well, good news, folks. I think the refs might be on the Chiefs' side now. Like like Patty Mahomes, I've seen like twenty uh, promos for for Chiefs Broncos on Monday night already like Mahomes is a star like already he's already a star like he's going to be the face of the NFL in in two years and with that comes the power of the whistle like I I just saw multiple penalties go our way that it's just I I okay thanks like that's that's fantastic thank you for that like the, the PI on Conley in the end zone was 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 pretty bad, and and there was a couple, there was a holding on Sammy Watkins when Mahomes sailed it like ten yards over his head. It was just like it was just like oh, okay, thanks, thanks. We will take those, and so that will be that will be something interesting to watch over the uh, the rest of the season and the seasons moving forward. Uh, I I have I've got two more things on the offense before we before we go to the the defense, if I may. Um, number one, and, and this is kind of out of left field, but you know, welcome to amateur hour. Um, if you're Alex Smith, how, how are you feeling right now? I know you just beat like sort of your rival in Aaron Rodgers because of your draft class, and so that probably feels good. Um, and it's your bye week, so you get to rest, so that's good too. But like, 
just looking at, at how Pat is playing, looking at how the team is doing, like, how, how do you feel if you're Alex? Are you happy? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he would hold any contempt towards Mahomes. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, he's he saw this in practice for a whole year. Like, I don't, I would bet this is not any surprise to Alex Smith. He's he's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I thought that would happen. Uh, I understood the situation. I understood why I was moving on. But I mean, also, I mean, he was at this point last year. He was the NFL MVP. So it's not like he, you know wasn't doing anything close to this. Like he was, he was kind of on the same tier. Uh, I think there were, there were more holes to poke with, with Alec, with the way Alex was doing it. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think he holds any contempt. And I would bet if, if, if you talk to him, you know, off camera or something, I would bet he'd say, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I saw this coming a mile away. Um, do you, so this is kind of strange. Cause I, I, people talk about like the quarterback fraternity in the NFL, um, and like Alex, I, I think was unique, especially when you look at the difference between how the way that people talked about the relationship or lack thereof between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers versus like what you heard about Alex and, and Pat. And I don't think that Alex was like seeking Pat out and making it a point to try to turn him into a pro that Pat took a lot of that upon himself. But it does seem like Brett Favre, at least for a while, went out of his way to say, I'm not going to do anything to help Aaron Rodgers. So when I think about this, and I think also that, like, you know, people have talked about how the NFL has changed and there aren't any, like, real rivalries anymore because these guys, like, after the game, they're trading jerseys and they're all friends off the field and different things. I started thinking about it and I was like, do, do you think that that Pat and Alex still talk? Like, is it unreasonable to hope or assume that Alex is, like, texting him with different pointers? I mean, Alex has a lot of his own stuff that he needs to be watching, his own film and his own studying and stuff. But, like, do you think that he's keeping one eye on what's happening in Kansas City or what's happening with Pat and almost having, like, kind of a a fatherly pride sort of thing? He knows this offense. He knows Andy Reid. He knows these weapons so well that if he sees some little – like minor correction in order to help Mahomes, do you think that he would give that to him? Alex seems so like uh, robotically professional. Like uh, I'm sure he is just like, I am focused on what I am doing uh, and, you know, at the task at hand and that kind of stuff. And I, and I, and I bet he says that and I bet he believes that and I bet he acts that way. But I also bet he's I, I would bet he's texting him like congratulations, like, hey, good, good week one or something. I don't I don't think they're getting into anything uh, too uh, schematic or anything like that. I bet I would bet it's just a like, hey, hey, good job, kid. Yeah, good job, kid. I could see that. Um, the the other couple things that I wanted to get to first and foremost, and I keep seeing people talking about it, um, the the triple screen in the first quarter. I think it oh, was on man. I think it was on the first drive, but Mahomes had an option on this screen play. No, it wasn't the first drive, it was the second drive. Um it's like the four minute mark or so in the first quarter. Mahomes has this play where they run all these different guys in motion, and then he can throw quite literally a screen pass 
to the left side of the field, the right side of the field, or where he ultimately throws to the center of the field with Travis Kelsey. And I'm just looking at this play design. Forget all the different motion and stuff pre-snap. Just the options and the way that Andy Reid drew this thing up. And especially knowing that it sounded like San Francisco... I, I saw before the game on Twitter, NFL Matchup had tweeted out that San Francisco played like 80% zone. It's like by far the highest in the league. And so this was going to be a big test for Mahomes because it's different looks. It's stuff that he hasn't quite seen. And like San Francisco playing defense a little bit differently. And, the you know, essentially like while the Chiefs were going out and, and scoring five touchdowns, Andy Reid just screened them to death. And, and whether it's three options in a single play or running half a dozen screens inside of the first quarter, it was just like, I kind of forgot that Andy Reid can do stuff like that for a minute. And then it was just like, teams, you have to defend the entire field, the entire width of the field, and like from the line of scrimmage all the way you know to the end zone behind you, regardless of how far it is. And like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's ever really been a team like this. And <laughs> I'm not. You should I'm see not, the look on Ryan's face right now. I'm. I just like I know that there have been some really incredible offenses in NFL history, and it, I think the Chiefs have like the fourth most points through the first three weeks. Um, There, those offenses were, I think, more about efficiency than being dangerous. When I think about Peyton Manning throwing 55 touchdowns in a season, I think about all the stupid rub routes that Chiefs defense couldn't figure out how to defend, and they were basically running like illegal pick plays that have now been changed in a lot of different ways. And like it, it was about Peyton Manning just being this well-oiled machine. And they were basically taking five and 10 yards at a time. He wasn't chucking the ball downfield too. And I don't even think that they were necessarily running the kind of variety of plays the way that Andy Reid is right now. And it's just, just like this perfect conglomeration of talent and creativity and ability that like uh, what the chiefs are doing. And I know it's only three games, but like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think the NFL has ever seen anything like it. Yeah, just wait until uh, you know Andy figures out that they're not going to call pick plays against the Chiefs' offense now because we're getting all the calls now. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's just going to add a whole other element to the Chiefs' offense. Like, hey, they're not going to throw these flags because we're we're Peyton Manning now. And then we're going to get to see the bunch formations of of Kelsey Hill and Watkins together. Goodness gracious! Um, last thing before we transition, if we're going to get off the offense, we got to do Sammy Watch. Mm. Week three of Sammy Watch. Kins. Um, so I want to talk about Sammy's hands this week because I noticed with essentially each of his catches on Sunday, you know, people talk about when it comes to wide receivers, their ability to pluck the ball away from the body and having, having strength in your hands to do that. And, you know, I, the first time I ever remember seeing someone talk about the catch radius 
was on a, a pre-draft thing on NFL Network, and they were doing it with Gronkowski the year that he was in the draft. And they were having him put his arms all the way out, like showing his wingspan and then showing like where he could reach the ball by putting his hands together all around his body, doing this weird waving motion. And I saw Sammy catch balls on Sunday from a number of different angles. And sometimes they were out in front of him. And sometimes it, it don't get me wrong, like still look like the placement was good enough, but like a little bit behind him. Um, and every time he's not catching it with his arms, there's nothing about his body. Sammy is catching the ball with his hands. And we know the kind of velocity that Mahomes is throwing it with. And it's just like, right there and it's not moving around at all sammy has got some strong hands dirk i love it uh i guess about sammy watkins i will say um the end around to sammy watkins is gonna be a thing Mm -hmm. um he he turned one run that should have been a a negative five yard run and he turned it into a 10-yard gain and it was it was very impressive uh, so you are starting to see some of that potential, I guess. Um, and, and I just think that's going to be a a play, a weapon for us moving forward is just handing off to Sammy Watkins because dude breaks tackles, man. Like almost every time he gets the ball in his hand, he's breaking a tackle. So uh, that's that's even adds a new element to the offense uh, on top of the many others. Uh, so that's 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 what I noticed from Sammy Watkins this week. I'm 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 getting more excited about him. All right, well, let's let's switch gears and and talk about the defense. Um, and frankly, I think at this point, what that means is that we're going to talk about D Ford. Um, to me, I I this is just completely unexpected the way that he's playing, and I don't I don't know if I'm blowing it out of proportion, but like I'm I'm pretty shocked by how effective he's been. Um, I mean, is it unreasonable in, in any way, shape, or form to say that D4 is our best defensive player so far in 2018? Um, no, I I think I would agree with that. I think. Uh, the, the groin injury, I don't know if they've said anything about it. I mean, I haven't been – it's, you know, 245 right now. So if any news came out today uh, at some point this afternoon, I may have missed it. I don't know what they're expecting as far as his availability – um, come Monday night, I like that the Chiefs get the extra day at least to try to get him ready. Um, but this guy is affecting the game in a number of different ways. And ultimately, I I wrote this note down during the game. Um, and man, you're going to think I'm crazy because I kind of think I'm crazy. If D Ford continues playing like this, I'd consider offering him an extension like during the season just to try to get a discounted rate, just to try to cut off like what he might be worth come free agency. If the Chiefs were to offer D Ford an extension in like week eight because of the way that he's playing, the the big question I think ultimately is whether or not D Ford and whoever it is that is representing him would even entertain it because of what his trajectory would be at that point in the year. Um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what a D Ford contract offer would look like. I have no idea what his value would be at this point. It's it just seems he's so all over the the road, uh, all over the map that I just I can't even pinpoint like what the number would be. Um, I, I'm not at that point yet. Um, we've seen these injuries linger with D before, so let's let's first get by that, I guess. But. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I mean, true. I like the idea, but I mean, usually that's if it's an off season in advance, not like during the season, uh, before coming up on a free agency. So, I mean, I, I like the idea, I guess, but I, 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 I don't know. I'd, I'd probably scoff at even the numbers we'd have to give them now. It would, it would probably be uh, <laughs> tough to probably. tough to swallow. And that's the thing is that like, I guess we've just been burned by signing guys too late so many different times now. Um, and this is a different regime, but I think that, I mean, certainly for you and, and maybe for others, after seeing the free agent contracts that they gave to Sammy Watkins and Anthony Hitchens, people are probably looking at that like, uh, um, are, are, are we sure that John Dorsey was the problem with the cap? Is this, is this not like maybe a bigger, bigger issue with the Chiefs at large? Do the Chiefs know how to pay wide receivers? Are we going to give Tyreek Hill $247 million? Because it sure, it sure seems like, you know, after the Dwayne Bowe contract and the Jeremy Macklin contract and now the Sammy Watkins contract that we just don't know how to pay wide receivers appropriately. <laughs> but when when you look at D Ford, like the value that he has to this defense right now, I mean, through three games, like you can't put a number on it. And that doesn't mean that it necessarily needs to translate into a new contract for him. Um, and I, I, in fairness to me, I did write down if D Ford continues playing like this, I'd consider giving him an extension during the season before he had the groin. So um, I guess I just, I, I'm shocked by how well he's playing. Like this is not something that I ever would have anticipated. And I don't think that you can understate how much of an impact he's had on their little success that they've had on the defensive side of the ball. I want to, I want to talk about a guy who I've seen taking some flack. Um, and this will kind of lead into an Earl Thomas discussion here, uh, which I think we should get into uh, for a little bit, but someone who I've seen people say should be not playing right now is Eric Murray. And I really feel like Eric Murray has been playing well. Like I, I have very little problem with what I've seen from Eric Murray uh, and I've I've been pleasantly surprised. I mean, I was very critical of him coming into the season. Uh, and people want to see Armani Watts. I saw Armani Watts for one play uh, on Sunday, and he whiffed terribly on a tackle attempt. So I don't I don't think Armani Watts is at the level of an Eric Murray right now. I'm happy with what they're doing. And also, uh, I'm just going to spill that into uh, an Earl Thomas discussion. I don't like the idea of trading for Earl Thomas um, because he's going to want another contract. Um, I mean, that's, that's what he's holding out for now. That's, that's what his problem is. He wants a, an extension. Um, so if we trade for him, we're giving up, you know, a second round pick plus, plus some other stuff uh, to pay a, another safety after already paying Eric Berry a ton after paying Daniel Sorensen a decent amount uh, now we'd be on the hook paying Earl Thomas a ton. Um, and I just don't, and, and another injury riddled safety really. Cause I mean, 
Now we're dealing with Eric Berry and Earl Thomas injury issues all the time. Like I don't, I don't want future money tied up in players like that. And I get the idea that it's like, go for the kill this year. Um, but I don't think safety is our biggest problem. I would, I would much rather trade for like a corner. Um, like, I, I mean, people throw around Patrick Peterson. If that was remotely a possibility, I would go after that because I think he would mean more to this defense than Earl Thomas would. And I just don't want I, – I don't, I don't think we need to be paying Earl Thomas and Eric Berry top-tier money, both of them, and then, and then be stuck here with both of them injured in, in week 11. Like I just I, – that's a scenario I want to avoid. And I don't – first on Eric Murray, um, I've been pleasantly surprised too. I mean, obviously the defense as a whole has some issues with communication and um, all, all the film nerds want to talk about execution issues and whatnot. And generally speaking, my, my stance on that has been, well, if you're constantly having problems with execution, I mean, may, maybe your defensive coordinator isn't asking guys to do things or put them in positions to succeed. I, I will say uh, in watching uh, the replay, two of their touchdowns, their first two touchdowns, both seem to be man coverage and both seem to be players that just weren't picked up. Uh, Marquise Goodwin runs across the field and everybody else appears to be in man coverage and Nelson just doesn't chase him for whatever reason. So he's just completely uncovered. Uh, okay. the, the Kyle Juszczyk, uh deep touchdown. Uh, did I say that well? <laughs> I, 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 think well. It, I think it's used check. Used check. Uh, a used chick. Um, so they threw it deep to used chick. And, when was the uh, last time you used a check? Used a check. I mean, I pay rent. So oh, well, when, when was the last I time I used the chick? It was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that seemed to be man coverage again. And I, I want to say it was Raglan that just didn't pick up his man and, and just another per- person that ran uncovered. So that's, that's kind of concerning, but that kind of goes towards uh, a Sutton diss uh, towards uh, kind of what you were saying there. Well, all right. So like on, on Earl Thomas, the, the thing that I guess I'm a little bit confused by in terms of like the, the people that are so aggressively about it, um, like we saw the safety market this offseason. We saw how little teams were wanting to pay safeties. And we can, you know, quabble over whether or not those guys were were quality players or not. But I mean, you ended up seeing guys that at the beginning of the offseason, we were like, oh man, I I'd be really interested in paying Trey Boston or whatever. And I'm not putting Trey Boston on Earl Thomas's level, but like the number of guys that until you know, a week or two before training camp was starting were unsigned. The guys that still remain unsigned and how little money the players that did get signed got Morgan Burnett has made like three pro bowls. He's a fantastic free safety. And I think he signed a one year deal for three or $4 million with Pittsburgh. And we're talking about a safety that is on the last year of a four year, $40 million contract that doesn't want to go to practice and I'm not faulting Earl Thomas for that, but like he's at odds with the organization because they don't want to give him an extension. And if the chiefs trade for him or any team trades for him, like the terms of, of that acquisition basically have to include a contract extension. 
I don't think that Earl Thomas is going to take kindly to being traded off and then basically being a rental player the way that they do it in baseball. That's not what he wants. He wants a team to invest in him. And there's no question about his talent, but like, I think the Chiefs already are paying way too much at the safety position. You said Daniel Sorensen got like a decent deal. I think that Daniel Sorensen's per year average is like still close to, if not inside of like the top 10 in the NFL. I mean, he got a, he got a good contract. Daniel Sorensen is making more money this year than probably any of the free agent safeties that were available on the open market this off season. And so we've got essentially $20 million tied up in two guys that can't even see the field right now. And you're talking about adding another essentially eight and a half million as far as the cap is concerned with, with Earl Thomas, like it doesn't, I just, I, I don't, I don't think that it's a smart allocation of resources. Um, But the interesting thing to me though, is that I think that the chiefs, despite all of the things that they've said about Patrick Mahomes leading up to this season, I think that even the chiefs would admit that they are surprised by how well he's playing and how good the team looks. They're ahead of schedule right now, despite the fact that the defense is struggling. And so, like, what's your reaction to that? What do you do as a team? Do you do you say, all right, well, let's push the chips in and figure out how we can try to get to a Super Bowl right now because we don't want to waste what's happening. And whether that's trading for Earl Thomas or, you know, for a long time, people were talking about signing Brashad Breland and he's now a member of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, there's not really a guy on the open market that you can go out and just sign now that Breland has a contract. But if they're going to trade for somebody, I think that they could do – I. it's weird to say they can do better than Earl Thomas because people are probably like, who? what, what the hell are you talking about? But like just in terms of, I don't know, like actually complementing what you have on your roster already – I mean, I I don't want to sound redundant, but like, again, the allocation of resources. Can you imagine the fact that the Chiefs would basically have like $30 million tied up into three players at safety? Even if it is Earl Thomas and Eric Berry, like, I'm just not confident that, that it changes the team as much as some people are saying. And I certainly don't think the Chiefs are in any position to be giving Earl Thomas an extension. No, I mean, the paying two 30 year old safeties, uh, insane amounts of money just doesn't pass the say it out loud test. Like, like that's, that's not smart. Um, but man, Patrick Peterson, that dude is a next level player. Um, He's I know the best corner in the NFL behind Jalen Ramsey, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, Hey, look at you. Who's number three. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I would say. I think, I think that, I think that the best corner in the NFL is Jalen Ramsey and then it's Patrick Peterson and then it's Marcus Peters. And the reason that I, I put Peters behind those two is because he's, his game is about instincts. It's not about physicality and like, and like sheer athleticism. Patrick Peterson, I think, is widely considered like the number one or number two corner by most people in the league. I don't think and, there's any like, – under any circumstances that Arizona would actually trade him, and the Chiefs don't have money to be able to do it anyway. Well, I think you can work out a trade midseason where they would pick up part of the contract so you could fit that under – uh, the cap, if if that's the issue, but I know whether Arizona wants to trade him or not. I mean, they're going nowhere soon, and he's he's closing in on thirty two, uh, or closing in on thirty also. Uh, but that is someone that is the the if we're if we're throwing 
you know, if we're trying to go all in right now, um, that would be the move I would make. But also, I mean, I, we don't need to go all in. Like, we have Mahomes here. We need to, you know, stay patient and build the team. Um, our, our window is is Mahomes. So it's open for a long time. I don't think we need to panic. People try to compare it to, like, the Royals adding Johnny Cueto. But the Royals window was very small because they don't have any money, so they knew all these stars were eventually going to leave. They knew they had a window. The Chiefs window is open for the foreseeable future. And I know that's not how the NFL typically works, but Patrick Mahomes isn't a typical NFL player. So trust me, window is wide open, wide open. Right. What I'll, what I'll say too, um, you know, I, I, at the beginning of the year, decided that I was going to name this man Orland Duntas Skandrickson because there was something about Orlando Skandrick that was that was eerily reminding me of Dunta Robinson. Um, and Dunta Robinson, I think, like, didn't play a whole lot during that season, was dealing with some injuries, and then ultimately, like, in that Colts game, just became the whipping boy. And he shouldn't have been on the field in the first place because everybody else started getting injured, and he was forced into action. But um, Orlando Skandrick is – definitely on a much better level than Dunta Robinson was when he got here. And I mean, you, you can rattle off whichever different snap count yards available or yards he's given up in coverage sort of stats. I don't know, nerds. Um, But there's, there's a bunch of different things that are basically showing you that uh, Orlando Skandrick has been playing really well. And to me, Despite the fact that I guess you have seen some some miscues in coverage, um, I love what I'm seeing from Steven Nelson as a whole, personally. Um, I, I just want to say, at least as far as the defense is concerned, like I, I know that they're struggling and they, they're giving up points, but like the, the one thing that I've, I've been trying to stick to, and I will drill this home probably week after week, is that I just want this defense to be the kind of defense that teams don't want to play against. Just just like create some sort of reason that teams don't want to play you. And I'm starting to see a little fire out there. Between I thought Eric Murray made a couple really nice plays and like bigger hits early in the game against San Francisco. Steve Nelson, like the the kind of attitude and stuff that Therese Paler continued to talk about. I mean, when he laid out Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, I was hyped. I jumped out of my chair. Um, but but he's, like, really competitive at the catch point. Um, I mean, when he's there, I guess. Uh, he's certainly not a perfect player. But between him and Hitchens having some of these big hits, like, at least they're showing some attitude. And and that to me, I mean, when you're, when you're searching for some positives on a, a defense that's I mean, giving up 500 yards a game at this point, basically. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's not necessarily something that you can, uh, you know, write home to mom about, but I think I'm at least seeing the beginnings of something that is. Yeah, Nelson really was, he was piece, woofing out there on Sunday quite a bit. Um, I'm a little taken aback that you said you cheered when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt on Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that he was hurt, but. Wow. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, did you see you? I would think you saw the replay, right? Like he clearly tore his ACL before Nelson yeah. knocked his block yeah. off. 
Uh, I want to give another shout out to a guy I've been critical of, and I thought he had a great game on Sunday, uh, and that was Alan Bailey. I thought Alan Bailey played uh, a really good game, uh, so that was good to see. Uh, lots of players that I've been I've been critical of have, have been playing really well. Skandrick, Skandrick was somebody I believed in, uh, so good to see him playing well. I don't, I mean, there's these stats out there that that kind of point towards when when the score is close. You know, the Chiefs have been a good defense. Uh, once they've gotten up three scores, you know, which is happening quite a bit, hey, uh, that's when we, you know, start to struggle. And that's that's typical from what we've seen under this Chiefs defense before, uh, which is maybe not the most comforting thought. Um, but, you know, I, I think there is reason to believe that this defense is good. I wouldn't be all out there and be like, hey, we're only good when uh, or we only suck when it's, uh, you know, garbage time or whatever, because that's kind of how last year started, too. I mean, we, we had these same arguments where, uh, you know, the defense is good for a lot of the time, and but Deshaun Watson's throwing up these garbage touchdowns, and then that eventually turned into Josh McCown throwing for 450 yards on us. All right. Uh, it's, it seems like Ryan is not going to finish this podcast for us. Uh, so I am going to wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> we kind of had some, uh, connection problems here. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, but yeah, donate. Um, if you, if you want, and you know, if you want to, uh, donate, if you want and donate, don't donate if you don't want to, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's that simple. Uh, but yeah, 20 bucks, uh, we'll get you an amateur hour shirt. Uh, the, uh, the website again, or the address, the link is, uh, paypal.me slash AHPKC. If you'd like to donate, uh, and help send us to, uh, Mexico city. Um, other than that, um, chiefs of three, and zero. they look fucking great. Uh, arrowhead was a ton of fun. Um, and that's it. So this is, uh, I don't, how does Ryan do this? This is, uh, his darkness and this, this has been amateur hour and this is no music at all. See you folks.